everyone, Kieran Howells here, Head of Content at HR Grapevine, and you are of course listening to the HR Grapevine podcast. This week we're talking about DE and I. Probably pretty high on your agenda, as it should be, DE and I really has the power to make your organisation a great place to work with a really strong output and really high employee engagement. It defines so much of how we work, from the onboarding experience to how we look after our people, how we consider well-being, and also how we help people in their lives in general. So it's a meaty topic, and I'm very lucky to have with me this week Jackie Curitan. She's the VP of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion at Bitly. She has done some amazing things inside her company and she is just bursting with amazing insight and some really strong tips for you to take back to your own organisations. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce my conversation with Jackie. So, Jackie, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for being here. I guess, first things first, why do you think it's so important that the C-suite keeps DE&I at the top of their mind? Before I answer that, let me just say thank you for having me here. Um, I'm super excited for this conversation um, and talking about uh, speaking to a topic that I'm very passionate about. To answer your question, you know, the C-suite really needs to realize that diversity, equity, inclusion, DEI affects everyone. Again, this is whether they realize it or not. And it's something that they really should all care about. Um, Here at Bitly, we've made it one of our top priorities. And in our core strategic pillars, we have uh, ensuring Bitly is an amazing place to work as one of the core tenants. And DEI is crucial in helping us achieve that. It reflects our values, creates a positive impact, both internally and externally. So it's not just about what we do in-house, but also externally as well. You know, thinking about employer branding, thinking about our market space and all of that. More so than ever in the past few years, employees are now holding companies to account. And it's not just employees, it's employees, it's customers, it's investors. So society at large is really holding companies uh, to account in light of recent events. And again, it's something that organizations, especially the C-suite, just needs to realize it is really the right thing to do. And very few can get away from it. The other thing is, again, if you think about sustained long-term success, innovation is core to, to really driving that. You need to be more inclusive. You really need to tap into uh, new ways of thinking, new demographics, uh, really expand it so that within your wheelhouse, you have folks who have a, a, you know, a vast number of experiences, who bring a lot to the table, who bring different backgrounds to the table, different cultures to the table. And that really helps ensure that you're not just successful in the short term, but definitely in the longer term. Yeah, and you know, you you raise a really good point there. Obviously, it's ethically the right thing to do to be an employer and especially a leader that that is very serious about DEI. But it's also not really an option anymore, is it? I mean, we we live in a world now where ethics and the ethics of a company are just important to a worker as a paycheck. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Ethics is is really, really crucial. And you know, the other thing that companies now or organizations, because it's not just uh, companies or corporates, it's across the board, have you know started grappling with right now is also risk mitigation, right? So when they think about reputation, when you think about market share, when you think about all of those things, it impacts the bottom line. But ethically, yes, and companies are being held to account. I think there are also laws that are coming to to pass that are 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 you know holding companies to account as well. And so yes, ethics is is really key. I think also risk mitigation, but I also think the bottom line, right? Just doing well all across financially and as well as in society as well. Right, of course, because the the third prong really in the importance of DEI is that as mm-hmm. pretty much every study that's ever been done on it has shown, companies that are more diverse that have that diversity of thought as you said they do better don't they they do i mean there's a plethora of studies out there and you can you know name the big names right the big four every uh every one of them has a study indicating that you know boards that are more diverse um executive teams that are more diverse um has a tremendous of financial impact a positive financial impact i should say on their revenue and their earnings across the board so yes when you look at that data it's very obvious and probably a lot of people within the sphere of hr see diversity equity and inclusion as a no brainer as something to focus on but that doesn't mean that all leaders feel that way it doesn't mean that the boardroom feels that way so how can hr with this wealth of knowledge mm-hmm. and the 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 ability to actually action great change within an organization how can they influence those in the boardroom to actually make that change yeah so i'll answer it in two parts one is there is work to do within hr first right as well right so i think um, many in hr understand the power and the impact of diversity equity and inclusion but not all so you know i always like to again be very honest in terms of just the work that there is to be done just so that we realize a, a real change and so it's important that hr has a grounding uh, across the board all functions right be it you know total rewards or talent acquisition or just the operational piece of it or our, our hr business partners across the board so we need to make sure that we're uh, as companies and as leaders ensuring that you know this function really understands the importance of it back to your question about how they can influence the boardroom companies are really about people right it's people that get the work done whether you're thinking about it from a financial standpoint whether you're thinking about it from an operational standpoint um you're selling to people right so right. an hr really helps us manage that aspect so hr is about people and companies are about people and so it's incumbent on hr to make sure that they're that voice uh, that ensures the board understands and again it tells the story about the company culture what type of environment you're fostering so when you think about being successful in the strategies you've put forth creating an environment where employees actually want to come and work for you it boils down to what type of culture and it's not just about getting folks indoor but also keeping them indoor right so mm-hmm. many folks get into companies and realize the culture is one that is you, you know maybe it's not as healthy as it should be maybe it's a toxic environment and you end up losing really key talent which has a huge cost component to it right? right and so you want to make sure that you think about the people aspect about of of it the cultural aspect of it and just understanding that all issues have a people component to it and of course it's not just actually that 
that board investment, that boardroom investment that pe- that you need to properly live and breathe DEI within your company. You know, one of the key proponents of any good DEI strategy is mm. making sure, as you mentioned there, that actually the people on the front line are carrying it out. So often it's line managers who should be living and breathing that journey as well, I guess. So how do you make sure that your line managers are bought into your mission? Yeah, I love, love, love that you bring that up. And it's so important for folks to understand this is not owned by an individual. It's not owned by the board. It is not owned by uh, the CEO. It's not owned by me. It is owned by everybody in the company. We all need to participate and be actively, uh, you know, doing the work for it to be successful. The culture is not created by putting something on paper or putting together a presentation. It's not that. It's in the everyday actions that we all are a part of uh, within the company, mm-hmm. from how we conduct our meetings, how we interact, all the processes that we engage in. So thinking about performance reviews, you know, how we go about that. And I'd say actually even from the start, right? So the candidate experience when one is considering uh, joining a company to the onboarding, to, you know, just being immersed or integrated into a team or a department, everybody needs to own this. Again, the strategies are, are important to have, but every little action leads up to the success of that. Right, exactly. Because and I think this is um, this is the next key thing that we have to discuss here is that we have a massive problem in the you know in in the business world in in the corporate world with right. lip service. One of the perfect examples that we often use at HR Grapevine is any time that it is Gay Pride Week or something. A company may change their logo to have a flag in it, but that does not reflect the experience inside of the company at all. They're doing it for show. Um, So, you know, I guess I'd be really interested to find out from you how businesses can ensure that their internal processes are actually reflecting this image that they want to give off, you know? Yeah. And that is such a huge problem companies grapple with. And I think, I'm so glad you you, you brought that up as a question. Um, Whatever is communicated outside, I'm a strong believer in this, and this is, again, true to what we're doing here at Bitly. Whatever is communicated outside, whatever is done outside, needs to first resonate inside. It doesn't help to, again, do all those things that you're saying that feel very performative, right? So uh, it's Black History Month, you're going to do something that aligns with that. It's Women's History Month, and then it's over, right? It's just, you know, a little show, a logo, uh, maybe a statement on your company's social media page. Um, But then, you know, you have conversations internally, and it doesn't resonate with the employees. And, And that's, that I think is a huge mistake that many, many companies are making. There's also the pursuit of awards that, uh, again, you get on a list, you buy for it. Sometimes there's Q&A, sometimes there's you know, a cost to get into it. I really understand the place of all of that from a company standpoint. Uh, again, if it doesn't rate in- internally, it doesn't resonate internally, uh, it, it becomes really, really problematic. So To your point about lip service, make sure as a company that you're taking the time to do the work first and then tell the story and then pursue the the awards and then go after all this external conversation. It's really, really important. Uh, I think it's also important that there's time taken to really understand. So again, get input from 
your 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 members within the organization and by members i mean you know your your workforce your talent your customers uh, or clients as well and then the communities where you have a presence you need to make sure that you're getting in, input in in a variety of ways and some of the tools that are used are obviously the engagement surveys i'm a big believer in having focus group conversations so where you just have really you know intimate conversations and make sure that it's created in a space of confidentiality and folks feel safe enough to really tell you what's happening within the organization. I refer to it as the whisper of the organization because there tends to be something that happens that leaders tend to not you know, be privy to or others tend to not be aware of or and by others, I mean across the board. So leaders, line managers, the board, others uh, who, who should really be tuned into it. That goes on within the organization. So creating spaces where some of that can surface and you can really tap into what is going on and what is being felt uh, by your employees is really, really important. Focus groups, again, is a, an amazing tool that I've used. And sometimes I've done what I call the listening tour. So just speaking to random individuals, just really having in-depth conversation in a space where you make sure that you've established trust first and there's a level of confidentiality so you can make sure you're really understanding what's going on. So. That's really, really important. Surveys, focus groups, one-on-one -on -one conversations, really key, creating a safe space for that. It's also important, especially in today's environment, that we understand the global cultural context as well. Most companies have a presence across the, the globe. And so it's important to not do things with skewed in just one way. Obviously understand and account for the local nuances, but understand that there's, you know, the global cultural context needs to be taken into account as well. And that means that there's got to be learning, there's got to be awareness. An example I'll give is uh, the use of language sometimes. In one culture, it could be everyday conversation, part of everyday conversation. In another, it could be quite offensive. And so doing the work, providing the tools, raising the awareness so folks understand uh, what those dynamics could be and how to, again, make sure that they're not exacerbating any of those things. Uh, the other thing is also when it does occur, if there's any, you know, uh, sort of conflict or issues that arise because of, of a lack of understanding, do the learning first, right? Create that space where you're doing the learning, having the conversation and bringing each other along. It's really, really important to do that. Yeah, I love some of those tips there. And also the term, the whisper of an organization. I, I love that. That's such a great, that's, mm -hmm. that's such a great analogy for what it is. I mean, it, it's great what you were saying that actually just walking around and talking to people and just, I mean, that works on so many levels because on one level you're gaining the insight that you really need, the super valuable insight from the inside, but also that means so much to people if they're being heard, doesn't it? I mean, we spend the majority of our life at work knowing that your company embraces you and understands you and, and appreciates you as an individual and, and is willing to come and have those conversations with you and get to know you. That's a huge part of both diversity and inclusion and well-being, really. Absolutely, absolutely. And the beautiful thing about it, it doesn't take much to do it. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah. something that everybody can do, every organization can do, every individual can do, actually. The key thing also to call out there is as you're having these conversations, you've got to be authentic. You've got to come come across as authentic, trustworthy, you know, come from a place of integrity, all those things. Because if it's just performative, folks know right away. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's in, it's instinctive, isn't it? You know, if if you're really being listened to. 
Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's just part of being human. And everybody wants to be listened to and valued and you know brought along. And again, when I say listen to, it's you know listening with that that mindset of you know we're human first. We all have imperfections. And that's kind of the beauty of being human, right? So you learn, you change, you grow, you you adopt, and we have to create those spaces. We expect perfect folks to walk in through the doors, and that's just not the reality of life. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, another interesting thing about what you're saying there is that someone listening to this may think, well, I've tried having those conversations and I'm not getting engagement. And I, correct me if I'm wrong here, but my assumption would be there that maybe in the past you haven't acted on what people have told you. So if yes. people don't see the results from the conversations, if they feel like their, you know, their, their, their needs or what they want to talk about is falling on deaf ears, they're not going to come back and continue the conversation, are they? That is a crucial point. Yes. What are you doing with this information I'm giving you? Mm-hmm. What's the value of this? Um, and sometimes there's nothing to do, to be honest with you. Sometimes you're just having a very personal conversation with an individual about certain experiences they're having or, you know, uh, events that happen actually outside of the workplace that impact how they show up in the workplace. So there are cases where it's just going to be a very, you know, honest one-on-one conversation or intimate one-on-one conversation. But you're right in terms of the broader uh, scope here is what is the outcome of this? I've given you this information. I've been vulnerable, you know, with you sharing. Many times there's the fear of potentially having a target on their back. And there are all these things that are really, really true. And I know this because I've been, you know, at some point I was that person, right, who was concerned about raising my voice because, you know, you you fear the the potential uh, backlash of, of, of all of it. And so when you go and seek this information, it's really important that something comes of it. There's a communication or a feedback in terms of, you know, this conversation happened and here's the action we're taking. It doesn't have to be overnight, but it definitely is something that needs to be, put, you know, front and center in terms of you get this information, you collect it. And again, it's the one-on-one conversations, it's the engagement surveys, it's the focus groups. What are you doing with it? Because after a while, even if you've established that trust, you know, it, it loses its value, right? What's the po- point of me pouring my heart out to you or telling you this? And I don't see the programs changing. I don't see leadership changing. I don't see the culture changing. I don't see the strategic initiatives aligning to this. I don't see accountability. I don't see learning. All these other things that can be done to make sure that we're fostering that. So you're right. Absolutely. It's important that we definitely are able to, you know, folks are able to see the outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This information. Yeah. And Jackie, obviously, you've mentioned a couple of things from inside Bitly that, that you've done or, or things that you advocate. I'd be really interested to know what are some of the other initiatives from inside the company that are, you know, highlighting inclusion and, and you know, just it, what, what are you doing to improve the situation, I guess? Yeah. Uh, we're doing a lot of things, a lot of things, and I'm really excited about where we are. Uh, we've made, you know, tremendous strides. Uh, so last year, a lot of it was, you know, foundational and really putting structure and governance around it. You know, before I jump into each one of those initiatives one by one, it's important for for me to call out that DEI is not just a, you know, one-time thing to do. It's not just uh, about events and it's not just about launching a couple of employee-led groups. 
-hmm. It is a key, it needs to be seen as a key strategic initiative and it needs to be taken with that same seriousness as you would any other function, really. The reason I call that out is when you know you think about we started off talking about uh, you know some of the areas where we're still not realizing the success we should have realized, and you know folks are organizations are being held to account by folks now in a, in a way that we hadn't seen before. Part of the look back is after investing in you know having this conversation for several years now, why haven't we realized? success or why haven't we seen the progress that aligns with kind of the investments that have been put forth. Part of it is that DEI is often seen as just that nice thing to do. It's, you know, people are passionate about this. It's it's seen as the side thing um, that, again, it's good. It boosts morale here and there. And, and for many, that's the end of the story. And that's not okay. That's not okay. It needs to be treated as you would any other business function. You would never set up, and I use this example just because it's the one I think that for me, um, uh, most people can resonate with. You wouldn't set up a, a finance function, put together your monthly balance sheet, put it out, and then say you're done. You wouldn't do it just one year and say you're done. Finance is something that everybody is responsible for. Everybody manages, especially when you talk about leaders manage budgets on a consistent way. You adjust based on new information, based on new products, based on new market indicators, based on a whole set of factors. It is a space that's dynamic. You have, you know, poured in resources to make sure that everything is being done right. The the pillars are being set up as you would, you know, as you should. Um, It's a key driver. And so when you set up a diversity function, you need to set it up in that way. It's really, really important. Make sure that you're putting together metrics and analytics and tracking it and being proactive versus reactive around the work. Looking at some of the strategic initiatives and opportunities that are there from how you develop your products and how you go to market, how you're attracting the right talent, the right diverse talent, I should say. All of these things matter. And those things happen when you do the things that are, again, considered best practices in any business function. Really, really important to do that. So I say that to say uh, what we're doing here, we're doing a whole host of things. And one of the things we started off with doing, and I called it out already, was when we started off, it wasn't to rush and put things in place. It was one to really understand what it is that we're trying to do. And, you know, level setting, where do we sit right now? Where are we? Yeah, again, back to the listening tour, back to taking into account, you know, what employees were asking of us, are factoring in what's happening externally as well. It's really important to understand those indicators as well. I call out though, while it's important to understand what others are doing, I caution against copying what others are doing without understanding your culture and what it is you are trying to do as an organization. Yeah, yeah, because that that's absolutely fundamental, isn't it? Is that just lifting and, and shifting or copy and pasting, oh. it's not going to work. It's never going to work. It never works. It never works. And there's a lot of frustration around it. And again, you need to understand who you are and then you figure out what is going to work for who you want to be and then go about the business of doing that. You can learn a lot from what others are doing, right? And definitely borrow from that. But again, the lift to shift shouldn't happen in this space. Mm-hmm. You really need to build it for you and make sure that it works for you. And, it, you know, the other thing is building it out one time is not enough. It's, um, you know, the cliche of it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a long haul journey. You don't get it right in two years, you know, so have the patience to make sure that this is a long term initiative. There's going to be changes. You know, some of the ideas you put forth might not 
necessarily execute the way you want them to. And so you'd have to take a step back and adjust again, back to how you do anything within any other function, right? If you had a campaign and it didn't work, you'd go back to the drawing board, do the understanding, adjust and go back out, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Same thing with diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think folks are really expecting perfection right out the gate, and you have to do this in a very cautious and intentional way, as you would with others. And so now to answer your question around what we're doing, we're doing a whole host of things, and we're just getting started is what I like to say. So first, it was really focusing in on the um, the culture and making sure that we're building it out in a way that aligns with kind of what we're hearing from our employees, we call bitizens, from our bitizens, and also what it is that we're trying to achieve in the long haul. And so we stood up uh, employee resource groups, which is really important. So again, this was done in concert with just getting feedback right out the gate. It wasn't just putting them up to put them up you know, because it's what companies do. But which ones make sense? Which ones are really truly representative of our demographics? And how should we go about it? Um, employee resource groups can be really powerful in your DEI agenda. But however, many organizations fail in, in uh, this initiative as much as it's commonplace and you see them more and more throughout organizations. Making sure that you're one, providing the right tools for those who step up to lead the organizations, doing the things that you know matter, like providing an executive sponsor so that there's that person who can be an advocate, who can help remove roadblocks and who can coach and really just be a champion for that particular demographic. Provide training for the executive sponsors, really key. Before launching, you need to make sure that those who are ready to step in have the right tools, the right understanding and resources to do that. So creating a community for that as well is really, really important. And that's what we did before we launched, identified who would lead the five ERGs. ERGs uh, is obviously the acronym for employee resource groups. Identify the executive sponsors and then train both before we launched. Right. So again, making sure that we're doing what we can to to set them up for success and then continuing that process throughout. Right. So making sure we're in touch, sharing best practices and all of that. And we've been very successful. They've been up for about six months now. We also had uh, set up a group called Bitly Cares that really helped us do work that faces more on community and partnership. And that has been tremendous in terms of just, um, you know, raising funds for causes that our employees care about. Uh, doing it in uh, an interactive way. So obviously we participate in some of the more global initiatives like Giving Tuesday, but we also launched activities where we had a movement challenge and for every mile, you know, there's a dollar or uh, there's a, um, uh, a value put to it. And so at the end of it, we compile that and uh, the equivalent of that was raised and given to a charity of our choice. So that's one way. And those are some of the traditional, you know, things that many are doing. The other thing that we are doing that I'm really keen to make sure that we continue to grow out, we're looking at it in a holistic way. And by that, I mean, our approach is, you know, having that lens of can we embed this in the entire Bitly ecosystem? So we think about the workforce, obviously, that's where most start. But thinking about the marketplace as well, right? So our products, who's using them? How are they being used? What are some of the things that we can do to make sure that we're being responsible in that regard, but we're also being inclusive in that regard. And then the last piece is community, uh, which I've talked about a little bit. So the workforce ERGs help us do that. We're launching you know, some campaigns. So we launched a DI council that's really gonna help us look at our systems, our processes, and really make sure that we're operationalizing DNI. 
embedding it in all those ways from the hiring process to the performance review process and across the entire employee lifecycle. Within the marketplace, one of the initiatives that we launched recently, which I, I really, really, really love, um, this is something that, again, one of the reasons I love it is it's a really good project and it's a really good initiative, but it, it came through by, from employees. Employees are the ones who presented this idea to us, brought it to life, and now we're getting ready to move into phase two of it. We call this program the Spotlight on Inclusion Program. And this is where we offer our connections platform to nonprofit organizations that champion social justice and equity for free. It is really, really, I'm so excited about it. We have, you know, we, we launched it, relaunched it, I should say. It was initially launched uh, in 21, and we realized we were not telling folks about it. We hadn't put the information out there. And so we, we took a step back, put some governance and structure around it, and relaunched in November. And we've seen some really, really great uh, responses from that. And so part of it is to make sure that we're really, really being partners. Uh, we did it back when the pandemic happened, where we partnered with educational institutions. But now we're saying, let's go back and let's work with companies that align with our values and our DEI strategy and see how we can have an impact. Again, everybody's on social media. Connection is really important to whatever demographic you're trying to reach, your audience you're trying to reach. And our tool, we are market leaders in this space. We know this. We, we uh, you know, from the uh, link shortening to the QR codes, which are really become very popular. Mm-hmm. How can we give back and make sure that we're supporting? And so Spotlight on Inclusion is is one of those programs that I'm really, really excited about. Yeah, that's that's absolutely fascinating. I mean, it's it's that kind of investment that, that we're talking about, isn't it? It's, it's kind of the equivalent of putting your money where your mouth is in a way. Exactly. Because it's easy to talk about it and, you know, not realize it. But yeah, we're we're giving we're giving away. We're, we're, I, I, we call it partnership, actually, because the, we really are trying to support the work they're doing and making sure they're successful. And we're doing our bit to help make sure that they can do that. Yeah, a leg up, isn't it, really? It's a, you know, it's a, a corporate yeah. leg up. That's amazing. I mean, in, in the short time that we've been chatting, there's there's so much takeaway, I think, for our audience. There's so much that to inspire people, but also to... To, to give them some practical steps and some direction as to what to do next. So thank you so much for your time, Jackie. It, it's just been a, an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much for inviting me again. And I was like, are we done yet? I could go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. So much amazing insight from Jackie there. Jackie, we so appreciate having you on the podcast. To audience, thank you so much for listening. We will, of course, be back again next week. And if you'd like to go and check out some older episodes of the HR Grapevine podcast, head to hrgrapevine.com. I look forward to seeing you then.